Hello and welcome to this edition of Wineskins, a program that features reflections on the lives of the saints and sacred scriptures, along with information on topics and issues from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Jim Corda. Wineskins is brought to you by the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts, a division of the Society of St. Paul. On our show today, I will interview Karen Sigler on Rhoda Wise. We will also look at the life of St. Dymphna in our series called Saints for Healing, as well as reflections on the readings for this transfiguration of the Lord, that and more coming up on Wineskins. In our Bishop's Corner, we will welcome those from St. Vincent de Paul. With me now is Darlene Jones, who is the Chief Executive Officer of St. Vincent de Paul for the Northeast Ohio District, which really includes Trumbull, Portage, and Ashtabula Counties. Welcome to Wineskins. Good morning, Father. Thanks for having me. You know, Darlene, St. Vincent de Paul has been a staple in the church for so many years, and it's an outreach for so many people who are in need. Tell us in a nutshell why Vincent de Paul is so crucial for us. We work collaboratively with 15 different agencies in the area, but we tend to fill the gaps that are missed in other organizations sometimes. So especially in this economic crisis, we're still trying to get past COVID, high inflation. We're finding more and more people need our services than ever before. And I would imagine that there are a lot of people throughout the parishes in those counties that really participate and help with the mission of Vincent de Paul. So talk about them. Oh, you know, our volunteers and our Vincentian members are really the foundation of St. Vincent de Paul. Without them, we could never provide the scope of services and programs that we're able to provide. They really are the lifeblood of our organization. Now, when you talk with different parishes, do you discover some new members? Are they constantly trying to get new people involved? And if that's the case, what are you doing to get more people? Really, the local parishes are front line for recruiting new membership. We will go out into parishes and speak with parishioners, very often at the invitation of the local pastor or priest. And that really is, when we're able to kind of spread the news about what we're doing, that really is the best way for us to bring on new members and new volunteers. For those that are listening that really have heard about Vincent de Paul but never have gotten involved with it, what would you like to tell them? I think the first thing is that, you know, we've been here since 1930 in Trumbull County. 93 years is a long time. We are established and very well respected in the community. And I think that's important. If you're going to give your time or your treasure to a nonprofit, you want to make sure that you're connected to an organization that is doing the right thing and really trying to treat everyone they serve with dignity and respect. And I know that you work with other organizations. Talk about some of those affiliations and working relationships you have with them. Of course. Catholic Charities is a big one. We really partner almost weekly, if sometimes daily, with them, trying to make sure that clients have all the needs met so that they have a glide path to become self-sufficient. So Catholic Charities is certainly one. We work with Trumbull County Children's Services, multiple veterans agencies, Salvation Army, Coleman, Compass, so a wide range of community programs that work collaboratively together. We know that you're going to try to branch out further in the 
Portage County area, mm -hmm. but also you're doing work in Ashtabula. Talk about those two counties. Sure. So we do have programs right now in Ashtabula County. We've already begun additional outreach into Ashtabula and Portage. And the model that we have here in Trumbull County is on solid ground. Those programs are funded. And now we're able, we have the resources, we have the staffing, the volunteer base to be able to reach out and replicate those in the coming year in those additional counties. We're very excited about that. Let's let the folks know where the services are found, especially in the Trumbull County area. Sure. So if you're looking for the administration building where all of our voucher services and programs are launched, that's 2431 Niles Road in Warren. And that number is 234-223-2933. If you're looking for the dining hall, it is on that same campus right there on Niles Road. And our CARES clothing room is located there. Now, we opened our new thrift store, 11,000 square feet in downtown Warren. That's actually 540 Main Avenue Southwest. So we're all within about a mile. All the main buildings in Trumbull are about a mile, mile and a half apart. In closing, what would you like to tell the folks that are with us about St. Vincent and why it's so crucial for reaching out in Jesus' name? You know, I think our volunteers, our Vincentian members, our staff, really every day we're dealing with our neighbors in need. And we are, I can tell you firsthand, everyone involved with the organization is really just a witness to what we're called to do every day. Help those in need without judgment, without any sort of critical thinking, but literally giving them a hand up, a path to providing for themselves, but making sure we do that in a way that everybody is treated with dignity and respect. It's really the, the hallmark of what we do. Darlene Jones, Chief Executive Officer of St. Vincent de Paul, especially in the Northeast Ohio District with Trumbull Port in Ashtabula counties. Thank you for your service. Uh, we look forward to having you back on Weinstein's again where you could share some more information about the wonderful work, the longtime work of St. Vincent de Paul and your affiliation with our local parishes that really reach out in the Lord's name to meet those basic needs. So thank you. Thank you. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. The church celebrates a feast of St. Dymphna in May. To tell us more is Megan Farrell. She is a communication specialist from the Diocese of Youngstown. Dymphna was born in Ireland sometime in the 7th century to a pagan father and a devout Christian mother. When she was 14, she consecrated herself to Christ and took a vow of chastity. Soon after, her mother died, and her father, who had loved his wife deeply, began to suffer a rapid deterioration of his mental stability. So unhinged was Dimpton's father that the king's counselors suggested he remarry. Though he was still grieving, he agreed to remarry if a woman as beautiful as his wife could be found. He sent messengers throughout the town and other lands to find such a woman. When none were found, these counselors whispered sinful suggestions to marry his own daughter. So twisted was her father's thoughts that he recognized only his wife when he looked upon Dymphna. When she heard of her father's misguided plot, she fled the castle with her confessor and hid in a town in Belgium. When her father found that she had fled, he traveled to Belgium and captured them both. He ordered the priest to be beheaded 
in an attempt to convince Dymphna to return to Ireland and marry him. When she refused, he became enraged, drew his sword, and beheaded her. She died at the age of 50. In defense of her purity, Dymphna received the crown of martyrdom around the year 620 and became known as the Lily of Ireland. A shrine stands in the city of Giel in Ireland. Many miracles have been proven to take place at her shrine in the church erected in her honor. A shrine to her honor is also housed at St. Mary's Catholic Church, now part of Divine Mercy Parish in Maslin, Ohio. Let us pray. Good Saint Dymphna, great wonder worker in every affliction of mind and body, we humbly implore your powerful intercession with Jesus through Mary, the health of the sick, in all our bodily and spiritual needs. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. For Wineskins, this is Megan Farrell. With me today is Karen Sigler, who is the Shrine Director of Rhoda Wise in Canton, Ohio. And Karen, it's such a pleasure to have you on Wineskins today. Thanks for having me. You know, we've been wanting to learn more about this servant of God, this woman who is special not only in the Canton area, but in the hearts of many people who have come to know and love her and also her ministry. And so what I'd like you to do, if you could, for the folks that are with us, who never heard of Rhoda Wise. Tell us a little bit about her. Well, she was one of those people that God picks that you don't expect. Mm -hmm. She was not Catholic originally. She was a Protestant woman, came from a very anti-Catholic Protestant family. But from her earliest years and her friendships as a teenager, she never really bought into that. She had friends that were Catholic and she kind of kept it. It was in her heart. She grew up in Wheeling, West Virginia. She was born in Caddis, Ohio, but grew up in Wheeling. Moved to Canton when she married. Her first husband died after six months. He had a stroke. She had a life full of tragedies that led up to special graces she got. But she married George. They lived in Canton, had a lot of residences. They didn't have their own children. She adopted a child who died before her first birthday during the Spanish flu epidemic. And I think that was a turning point for George. He became an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Then she had a 39-pound tumor in her abdomen mm -hmm. that the doctors in Canton didn't want to remove. I think it was because there weren't any antibiotics then. But she went back to Wheeling and had that removed. And that surgery led to years of problems, which brought her into Mercy Hospital in 1938, where she fell in love with the nursing sisters. One in particular, Sister Clement, taught her about St. Therese and the Rosary, and she held on to those devotions as she continually became worse. She had adhesions from that first surgery that eventually left her with an open wound in her abdomen that wouldn't close. That's the bad news. 
the good news is the sisters bringing her into the faith or teaching her the faith. And Monsignor Habeck from St. Peter's, after she requested it, gave her a short period of instruction because nobody was expecting her to live. And she was brought into the church in the hospital. She was confirmed in the hospital. Bishop McFadden actually came to the hospital and confirmed her. She was sent home from the hospital in May of 1939 to die. On the early morning of May 28th, she awoke to a light in her room and Jesus was sitting in a chair by her bed. She wasn't surprised to see him. She said, have you come for me? And he said, no, your time hasn't come yet. I'll be back in 31 days. And she went to touch him and he was gone. She got real sick again, was in the hospital. They sent her home. And she had been keeping a diary since February. She was advised to do that, try to keep her mind focused because she was suffering so much. She wrote in her diary on June 27th, Jesus and Little Flower, please, I'm going through the torments of hell. Please cure me or take me. I can't take this anymore. Early morning of June 28th, Jesus and St. Therese came. And it was St. Therese that went over to her, motioned for her to move her, her bandage, put her hand on her abdomen, and where there had been a, an open wound, there was on tan skin. Rhoda had a lot of friends who were expecting her to die. When she was suddenly well, they all wanted to hear the story about sure. Jesus and St. Therese. And from that time on, people came to her house all hours. Anime told me that People came from 7 o'clock in the morning until 11 at night. I'd like to talk about something you mentioned, her conversion. Mm -hmm. You know, in my experience of people becoming Catholic is that there's something that draws them. I think they're loved into the church. Mm -hmm. And obviously that was the experience that Rhoda had when she was in the hospital with the sisters. Yes. That they loved her into the faith. Mm -hmm. And even though she became Catholic in the latter years of her life, that was something that she came to cherish and it gave her great comfort. Mm -hmm. How important is it for us to be vehicles for others to draw them into the faith, mm -hmm. to get them to understand the presence of Christ in our midst and among us? It's really important. I'm becoming more and more aware of that all of the time mm -hmm. as more and more people come to the house. There are a lot of Catholics who come that already believe, but they're usually praying for someone who needs help. Mm -hmm. There are people who are not, obviously, and are maybe searching. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're a little harder because they come with their prejudices and right. things, but we just tell them Rhoda's story, and mm -hmm. we don't really push the faith unless they keep coming back, right. you know? When they first come, we just tell them Rhoda's story. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much evidence at the house, it's just like, Oh my gosh, sure. this really happened, you know? Sure. Let's talk about the miracles, about those things that happen in the lives of people. And I'm a firm believer that miracles still happen today, that all around us there are transformations and there are changes, both great and small, mm -hmm. that happen. What, in your experience, especially with Rhoda Wise, can you encourage people to do to have their eyes and their hearts open to the many miracles that happen in our daily lives. Come to the house and see all the evidence of what happened in Rhoda's life, because there's a lot there. Talk to the people who 
who volunteer or who come, and you'll hear a lot of things, mm -hmm. a lot of things. We're going to talk a little bit more about the house and the grotto mm -hmm. next week. We're going to have you back. But for those who are with us that want to come to the Rotor Wise Shrine, where is it located? How do they get to it? We're at 2337 25th Street Northeast in Canton. We have a website, rotawise.com. The phone number is on there. We do ask that people call. People see pictures of when Rota was alive and all the crowds, and but mm -hmm. there was a lot of empty space then. Now we're in the middle of a neighborhood mm -hmm. and a busy street and children in the neighborhood. So we ask people to call so we can control the number of people that are there. But mm -hmm. if you give us a call, you know, we'll find a time when that works for both of us and and give us the website one more time. It's rotawise.com. And let's talk about that phrase, servant of God. Why was she given that? Servant of God is the title that you receive when your cause, a cause that's going to be advocation and canonization is opened. So she's at the very beginning. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. And we certainly want to encourage the folks that are with us to visit the shrine, to learn more about Rhoda Wise, her cause, but also to be open to those many experiences that God has in store for them and for us as we continue our pilgrimage towards his King. Amen. Karen Sigler, thank you so much for being with us. For Wineskins, I'm Father Jim Corda. For more information and to listen to Wineskins, visit the website www.catholicecho.org. Stay with us. We'll be back in a moment. Christopher Minutes, thoughts on making every day count. Here's Monsignor Jim Lasanti. No matter how much you love someone close to you, if he or she is an excuse maker, it could easily drive you crazy. So here are a couple of tips on maintaining your sanity. First, don't pretend to believe silly excuses. There's no reason to be party to a lie. Second, losing your temper won't help because excuse makers are used to people being mad at them. Explain your problem to the person in a calm, rational way. Then devise a plan to improve things. Life is short, my friends. Don't allow the chronic problems of others to ensnare you in negativity. It's good to be forgiving, but that doesn't mean you have to be a doormat. And if you're the one always making excuses, it's not too late to change. Don't let past mistakes be your rationale for future ones. I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti of the Christophers. God bless you and make this a great day. By the time we can walk, each of us yearns for the joy that comes from being able to do for ourselves. Church World Service believes that being self-reliant is a joy everyone should share. So around the block or around the world, share the joy. Church World Service. 33 million Americans have descended into poverty. And as their futures fall, so does our nations. The song we have for you today is from the CD called I Will Sing. It is by Vince Ambrosetti.
And to tell us about the scriptures for this transfiguration of the Lord is Deacon Ed Laubacher. He is from St. Paul Church in North Canton. Ten years ago, I was on a mission trip with the youth of our parish. We traveled down to Cincinnati and also worked across the river in Kentucky. Towards the end of the week, we were privileged to have a concert performed by current Catholic recording star Matt Marr. I remember so vividly being in the church during adoration. I was on my knees praying for our youth when suddenly I noticed a bit of commotion near the piano that was close to the front of the sanctuary. Suddenly, in addition to the presence of our Lord, we were also treated with beautiful music and vocals as well. 
it truly was my most memorable time of adoration before the Blessed Sacrament that I can remember. The words he sang just brought such clarity to the adoration experience that it raised it to a completely different level of prayer experience for me and for many of the kids that accompanied our group. I can remember quite a few other times in my life when I felt so much closer and in step with my Lord and my God. Another example occurred while visiting my mother nearly 20 years ago in a nursing home as her dementia had progressed. I remember her crying most of the time of my visit, but she was unable to communicate anything as to why she was crying. I vented to the Lord on my way home, and he certainly clarified the experience for me. I also remember being at the bedside as my parents prepared to pass from this world to their eternal reward. These were such holy moments, and I hope that you have had also some similar events occur in your life. And I believe that Peter, James, and John had a similar, but certainly much more profound experience on the mountaintop during the Transfiguration. They witnessed the glory Jesus had once, and the glory that he would once again claim. These moments are so powerful, so memorable, But why did Christ tell his apostles not to mention this experience? Surely they wanted to share it with everyone. They witnessed Moses and Elijah conversing with their master. They heard the voice from heaven commend Jesus and remind them to listen to all that Jesus shared with them. Why in the world should they conceal this experience? Perhaps it was because these mountaintop experiences or the times like I spent with my parents, or even during adoration, are moments that certainly elevate our relationship with our God. But that inspiration is often very fleeting. Christ wants us to hang on to the most important part, and he shares that most important part with his apostles when he states, Do not tell the vision to anyone until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Events like those that I have mentioned are like booster shots to our faith. They renew us and they strengthen us. But the main message of Christ is that he came to suffer and die for our sins. And then by rising from the dead, he has conquered sin and death forever. And he has done this not for himself, but for each one of us, for each individual who has ever lived. He is our Savior because he has put an end to sin and death and granted us eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the times when we feel extra close, but mostly thank you for being our reason for eternal hope in you. For Wineskins, this is Deacon Ed Laubacher. If we would lead lives of true values and clear direction, coupled with work and worship, we can find a way to close out the world and focus our minds for a while on the radiant glory of Christ. Wineskins is made possible through the annual Diocesan Appeal, the Catholic Communication Campaign, and St. Paul's Catholic Books and Gifts. The program is produced by the Roman Catholic Diocese of Youngstown. I'm Father Jim Corda, saying thank you for being with us. Have a blessed week.
What have you done for your marriage today? I gave my wife a hug this morning. I thought uh, I love her. I uh, did her hair this morning. I think it looks pretty good. <laughs> I cooked my husband's uh, favorite breakfast. I bought her an orchid. What have I done for my marriage today? I sent my husband a love email. I read the newspaper to my wife and it cracked her up. She's, but she's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Make a change for the better. Need help? Go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. They say America is the land of opportunity, but for some, life isn't so easy. Right now in America, one in six children lives below the poverty line. That's nearly 13 million children of all races all across our country. Where do you draw the line and get involved? You can make a difference in more ways than you think. Go to povertyusa.org today, because one in six children in poverty is one too many. A message from the Catholic Campaign for Human Development.